Hello and welcome to Enlab Talks. My name is Nurgül and this is a podcast where we get to know inspiring creatives, how they got to where they are today and why they are optimistic about the future. On this episode, which was taped for Architecture and Design Submit Izmir, I talked with Kirsten Lees, managing partner of Grimshaw Architects London Studio. She has 25 years experience in architecture, strategic planning, urban design and regeneration. She is a founding member of Equilibrium Network, frequent speaker at inspiring women events and a regular contributor to Architecture Review's Women in Architecture campaign. We specifically dive into Arter, the contemporary gallery space in Istanbul's Dolapdere district, designed by Grimshaw Architects. Enjoy our talk! Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Actually, I would like to thank Art Design Submit to uh, share our enthusiasm about this podcast. So thank you, Kirsten, again. This time to make this happen. And I would like to start with actually, I always start with this podcast that I would like to hear what made you become an architect. Maybe your like childhood memories, like any of your parents involved in architecture. How come? <laughs> First of all, I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you for inviting me to do this podcast. So, what did you? Why did I become an architect? It's, I think for everyone, it's a very personal and sort of different story. Um, my parents were both artists; they weren't architects. And I remember going to lots and lots of summer holidays around churches and around all these buildings, and I would complain like mad. But then I did a year out between school and university, and I went to um, Barcelona to live and. A friend introduced me to the Mies van der Rohe Pavilion, which I think if you consider that that pavilion was built at the same time as the adjacent Palau Nacional and just the disparity in just in terms of the style, I think I was just sort of blown away that you could imagine something so modern, so contemporary, and that just sort of, you know, sort of broke boundaries of what had gone on before. Um, and I think that's what really, really inspired me. Yeah. Actually, culture, like, always inspires us as an architect. So um, maybe, like, you studied architecture in the University of Glasgow in uh, United Kingdom. Then you have, a, like, take one year to Spain. How was this experience? Because, like, there are a lot of architecture students here to go somewhere, like, like master degrees and other events. So yeah. how did this affect your journey in the architecture? Well, I think architecture... Um, you're constantly absorbing influences from all over the world, from different, from you know, um, local, from vernacular, but also from travels. Um, I studied at the Macintosh School of Architecture, um, and obviously the building that we worked in was a it was a piece of architecture in itself that made it seminal. Horrific that it burned down not just once and twice, and you know the future of that. Um, school is still up, up for debate, but you know if you consider that that building was really influential in its time, both in terms of the influence it's absorbed around the modernism time, and then how it also influenced um, sort of new architecture, and I think we always need to be open to different influences. I think that ultimately architecture is about how it impacts people's lives and how it relates to the city and the culture and of its time. And therefore, um, we always need to be open to responding to um, 
to all of these influences. Yeah, actually, like culture seems very crucial for architects also nowadays because like you are also like global architect and coming here to like think about like Istanbul and other stories behind it. So like, were you surprised when you traveled around across to like another states, countries that culture played an actually like very different role in the architecture? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, I delivered. I worked um, on a project in. La Coruña, which is northwest of Spain, and it's quite interesting because in Galicia, it also has quite a lot of relationships back to Scotland. Huh. Um, but I always remember that we had, well, you know, it was a British architect, and then we had a Spanish contractor, and we had an Austrian specialist facade consultant and contractor, and it was like, you know. Um, There was times during the development of that project where the Austrians were complaining like crazy about the Spaniards. You know, they're so relaxed. They, you know, they don't seem to mind about you know sort of tolerances, and we just can't work like this. And then the Spaniards were just talking about, oh, the Austrians—they're so particular and they're so worried about all of the dimensions and the, you know, the, the, everything has to be prepared in advance. And what I found was really fascinating that over the course of the project, actually both sides really came to appreciate what the other party brought. So whilst the Austrians, they drove everyone crazy about everything has to be to this millimeter and doing lots of pre-planning. When they arrived on site, everything was perfect and it went up like mechano and it was just... <laughs> and suddenly the progress on sites, which had been you know, quite slow, suddenly became you know accelerated. Yeah. And I think that is when you know Spanish contractor really appreciated mm. and really valued and understood all of the effort had gone into that beforehand. But conversely, I think as well, what the Austrians appreciated from that is it was the way that on site, sometimes you need to be flexible, you need to look for new solutions, and that ability on site to work with what you have, be really creative, really innovative, to solve problems, and it's about that collaboration, how you solve it together. So ultimately, you know, I think all projects are about whether, you know, it involves, you know, multinational teams or not. Actually, it's about the, that interface, that collaboration, you know, either at small scale or big scale. In architecture schools, we are like have to work together in a like teamwork, like doing some cubes uh, sides and, and other stuff, like master plan to like concept drawings is a kind of like process of I think teamwork and collaboration itself in the education also itself is a collaborative environment. So, uh, how about your starting with your relationship with Turkey? Like, when did you came first in Istanbul, and like, how as an architect feel about Istanbul, this living city, as you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, first off, I think it was fantastic that the client invited us to visit the site to meet with them as part of the competition process. Because, you know, as you say, all projects, every single project is the outcome of teamwork and it's about collaboration and how you work together. And in the absence of that, you're never really going to resolve all of the the problems. So um, we often find that competitions are actually a complete anathema to the way we work because suddenly you're working in this 
vacuum in this bubble and you can't you know present something we're thinking about it this way or we could the alternative way to approach that and you know it's that feedback that give and take that sort of challenging sort of probing about actually understanding what yeah. is being sought but then testing the realms of you know what that vision could be i think is um really the essence of a good relationship between a client and uh, an architect so we felt that that was really very positive and I think it sowed the seeds because I think our whole design approach is the fundamentals of it is based on how we work collaboratively and therefore to be able to do that from the get-go was was critical (laughs) As you said in your presentation, like buildings have a, like very practical functions. They are like museums, typologies, and other things. But actually, they contribute to culture of urban landscape, the rural landscape, all the community as well. So, uh, what are your thoughts about art areas? Will it be become a, like significant role through like contemporary art in Istanbul? Like, how do you like uh, value about the building? So, I think what we tried to do with the building was a sort of continuation of the brief and the discussions that we started with the client. And it was about making sure that the building really opens up and you know, doesn't present any barriers. It's very welcoming to everyone. Very often, you know, art, contemporary art, um, can be perceived as either for some and not for everyone. Yeah. It can be perceived as elitist in some instances and and also it can be challenging and you know certainly yeah, contemporary yeah, yeah. art. Um, but it is also is a representation of the society and the culture and it is about engaging people in um, thinking in a different way about the circumstances. Therefore, we worked really hard to ensure that the building didn't present any barriers, that you could see that those in- interconnections. But I think with all art galleries, it's very important as well that that dialogue between the architecture and the art yeah. with in that the architecture doesn't take precedence um, that it becomes almost a sort of container mm-hmm. that allows the art to step forward and um, yeah. grab you but then as I think the architecture can assist in your appreciation and understanding and memory by creating a series of spaces that almost they become synonymous with how you perceive that art and how you view it Yeah, actually, the lot there, the neighborhood is changing. In a good manner, they have to see this art not a barrier to enter a building or something. So I think it's a like, very good thing to people uh, come and think about what's going on inside. It's, it's only a, maybe a wonder, but it's okay, I think. It, it will open doors. Well, I think we were really deliberate in making sure that the building faced both ways. Yeah. It is about embracing communities all around and drawing them in. And I think the whole, the generosity of the public spaces around mm-hmm. that for you. You don't need to move into the galleries at all to be part of the building. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, what we were trying to do is ensure that the spaces feel inviting, just they invite you to pause. They invite you to spend time, that you don't feel that, you know, you don't question whether you're allowed to be there. 
and they're on different levels so that you can always sort of um, get a sense of what else is happening around and start to be intrigued and sort of um, yeah. engage with the rest. And actually, one of your interviews, you said that I really like the, uh, after the building finished, I really like the looking through it because like I'm really being on sites. And so what, how do you feel when you are standing now last week in the opening of the art session? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh, projects, they're like babies, aren't they? They're, yeah. <laughs> Initially, when we go around buildings, we all we can see is the details and the, all the little bits that you wanted to be in a slightly different way. And I think you know you need a bit of time from away from a building, yeah, yeah. and then when you come back to it, and I think it's always it's an incredibly proud moment when you see people occupying the building, just enjoying being there, and and then really you have to reimagine the building from the eyes of the visitors rather than from you know, sort of the sort of intense scrutiny that you've given every single corner yeah. over the last sort of uh, seven years. Wow. So like let's talk about the Green Show. Uh, because like I'm I'm sure everyone like wondering about your history about that. Actually you were elected to London's first female partner. Well I think first and foremost I think everyone wants to be appreciated as an architect. Um, not female architect, not yeah. female architect, yeah. we're, we're, and it's yeah. about the work that you do and what you bring. I think it's also really important, um, certainly within architecture, that there are visible role models. And personally, I've always been very, very focused in my projects and very involved in the projects mm-hmm. um, as I move through my career. But then suddenly you you look around and you wonder where all your colleagues are. Um, at university, mm-hmm. I remember I was the first year where it was fifty fifty, mm-hmm. and there is something um, architecture's really challenging um, profession for everyone, and therefore we need to ensure that we really understand those challenges and make sure that there's an a parity of opportunity and equality of opportunity as you move through um, your career. And I think that, you know, the more we can move to um, shared um, parental oversight, I think is is incredibly important because Mm -hmm. at the moment there still is a fundamental onus that um, the the female um, is the primary chair. Childhood. You always like mentioning about the culture in the Green Show as well because like you are saying that the trust is like the collaboration is important. You kind of uh, describe us the culture when you are doing a project or how can I say in the meetings. Um, I'll be really honest with everyone. I joined Green Show um, to run a project. It was um, a project in Spain, and I expected to be there three years. <laughs> the project took eight years, ten years actually, oh. but. I always stayed because what I found there was a culture um, that was very, very open. It's uh, really, it, you know, it very much stems from Nick's values, where what he calls it is sort of argument amongst friends. Hmm. He believes passionately that everyone, you know, good ideas can come from everywhere, and yeah. we really promote that, and we have a lot of you know, design discussions. Um, and everyone is invited to give an opinion, to challenge, to question. And I think it's you. Know, I was afforded a huge amount of trust. Um, you know, 
relatively young stage of my career to develop ideas and you know then those were you know present them bring them to to be challenged and I think as you move through your career and become a, a leader and you know mm-hmm. leaders really need to empower everyone as well and afford them that, that same trust which is so much a part of um, the Grimshaw culture and the way we work yeah perfect because I think uh, nowadays like as the technology changes like we are like more, much more global we are networking everywhere like new media comes to our life like we are talking another issues so the, the, the place that like uh, maybe you define as a like great place to work but what you define is very important because it's always there and you are always work with people in side to side so actually i want to ask about like your definition of global architect because um how can i say in the current world of sharing information we are everywhere like in locally in like globally so this this brings new new responsibilities maybe what's your thought about this global architect I mean, I think we have quite an unusual model in that we have eight studios all over the world, and uh, but we operate as a networked studio, a networked office, whereby everyone brings their own voice, their own um, projects um, as part of that and hmm. in the development of it. Therefore, we have to work incredibly hard at communication. Um, that there are fantastic benefits in understanding, you know, projects which are developing at the same time in different parts of the world, and the pressures, be they societal, be they from the client, be they economic, or be they technological, as they're developing in different um, locations, and that learning across um, can be hugely influential and, and very powerful. So what we do is we have this, um, just every Friday we do a news across across the office. Ah. We do um, Friday at five um, news and we learn about um, what's going on um, to ensure that we stay connected as an office. But then what we also do is what we call deep dives into projects and we um, try and really sort of understand what what are the key essences and the key areas that we can share because it's that knowledge and how we share that knowledge and um, ensure that everyone gains benefit, I think, is how we can operate in a way that's connected. In relation to that, how can architects and designers um, translate their ideas into kind of like social impact uh, problems in the world? Well, they alluded to earlier is that I think architecture is all about people and how people are living and how they interact and they have, can have it be hugely influential. Um, we look at you know the time of climate crisis and the impact that we can have our ability to think laterally, think holistically. Um, And we need to actually, as a profession, we actually need to challenge, look to ourselves and, you know, are we challenging this and are we working hard enough um, to really meet, you know, these really large and, you know, um, environmental challenges. Well, I, I mean, I really do believe that the discipline and the learning that we gain as a degree, as a profession, the fact that every single project is very different, 
and that ability to look holistically and mm-hmm. draw from all of these different strands and pull them together in something which is coherent and responds to practical needs, but I think also sort of societal and intellectual needs, I think is one of the great values that architects bring. And I think that as a profession, we don't give ourselves enough recognition of our ability to actually innovate within that space. And I I think we can um, stand out and shout about um, (laughs) the value that we bring um, a lot more than we do. I think one thing that is happening is demands are speeding up. Mm -hmm. People are asking for information uh, before you even have you know, a brief sometimes, you're wanting a sort of visual or a 3D view. <laughs> and I think that we live in this very image-hungry world yeah. and this sort of immediate experience world where I think that we need to ring fence more time within the process to actually test out ideas, to create different um, options and Mm -hmm. different scenarios to really get to solving the problem that we're being faced with because if not you know I think we do ourselves and you know actually our clients and society a disservice if we continue to respond to the sort of breakneck speed of everything delivered tomorrow or yesterday actually it seems (laughs) yeah exactly and um, I think there are like uh, some architecture students here especially so thinking about all these experiences you had what advice do you have to those I always believe you've really got to believe in your gut and to go with it Um, it's very architecture you having to it's a quite a sort of personal um, profession where you have to put your ideas on the line and you know then you send, set them out to be challenged and I think sometimes you don't always know the final solution but if you believe that you know what you're trying to achieve I think you need to hold on to that and not let yourself be swayed. <laughs> so like very optimistic <laughs> approach and finally I, actually I ask all the guests in my podcast and final question so regarding the future what are you optimistic about? One of the things within Grimshaw that I'm pr- proud of is that we have always you know we speak 55 different languages um, not individually um, but across the practice and I think that if we can continue to work in the spirit of openness about working collaboratively across different cultures across different contexts and just sort of it's all about working to understand each other and and to collaborate together and I think that's that's why I feel that Thanks for listening to this week's episode and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. See you next time.